Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. I just want to take a few minutes. If anybody needs healing in their bodies, if you're sick, if you've got something wrong with you, we want to pray for you real quick before we carry on, so I'm not going to drag it out. Just come forward real quick. If you're, if you're sick in your body, if you've got something wrong with you, and you need Jesus to touch your, your body, your life, your heart, your, your mind, whatever it might be, um, we're just going to get some people to pray for you guys. You guys are, who have made covenant with the body, just come up and lay hands on these people. There's some ladies we want to pray for Amy. Come on, sir. If, you're, if you've been prayed for before, you're like, well, I've been prayed for before, and it didn't work, get prayed for again. Jesus says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's not always instantaneous. It means you just keep praying. You keep praying. You keep calling forth the promises of God. You keep calling forth the word of the Lord. You allow God to move in your life. You let him be God. You just be obedient to what he wants you to do. healing of God flow in the bodies of these people, in the minds of the people. Lord, we thank you that your power did not cease at the cross, that your power came into the New Testament, past it and beyond it. We pray, you prayed in John 17, Father, that we would be one with you just as you are one with your Father and there is no sickness in your body. There is no sickness in God. And so, Father, we thank you that there is no sickness in us. And we declare and decree your promises over these people. We command in Jesus' name their minds, their bodies, their spirits, their hearts to be whole. We command whatever is afflicting them and tormenting them to be removed in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that you are the one who heals. It's not our responsibility. It's our responsibility to lay hands on the sick. You make them recover. So, Father, let your presence, let your power, let the lightnings of God flow into their bodies. And, God, may it, it just completely dispel anything that is not of you inside of them Father we praise you for who you've made them to be and we call that forward in Jesus name and everything that you did not make them to be we, we command it to leave we command it to get off them get off their mind get off their hearts and I just feel like God's wanting me to tell you, you stop identifying with your sickness you are not your sickness he made you to be his child he didn't create junk so step out of agreement with the pain that's in your body it's just a symptom God is is able to heal if you believe all things are possible to them that believe the Bible says if you identify with something other than Jesus then you're giving it the right to come in and, and affect you so father we thank you that we step into the true identity of Jesus Christ of Nazareth the Son of God who calls us in John 1 12 that we believe on him that you've given us power to become the sons of the living God we thank you that we are the manifest expression of Jesus in this earth and father you have given us the command in mark that we would lay hands on the sick and so we thank you for healing we thank you for grace we thank you for the anointing touch in their life we thank you that unbelief has to leave their mind and their heart and father we speak to faith inside of them and command it to rise because you've dealt the measure of faith to every man so give increase to what you've given them let it increase inside of them they step out to believe the word of the lord over their hearts and over their minds and over their bodies and we ask these things in jesus name and we thank you father for it
Amen. Thank you, Lord. I encourage you guys, if, if, if something's going on in your life, continue to stay before the Lord on it. There's so many Christians that just give up because it doesn't happen once. Don't you understand that it is the will of the enemy to completely resist you? It's by his nature to rebel, which means sometimes the first time you tell him to move or leave, he's not going to. Do you have something? Okay. So you stay faithful with the Lord and he will show you his faithfulness. Amen. 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 We thank you, Jesus. You guys can be seated. We invite uh, all of you guys, if you have children and you want to send them back to Children's Church, you can. Uh, if you want to keep them with you in service, we're totally fine with that too. You uh, do whatever you feel is, is necessary for your home. And we bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Those of you who are new, um, bear with us. We don't, we're more concerned about the presence of the Lord than time or, or your money. Um, you'll be judged on your money. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is open the heavens and get Jesus to come in here and touch you guys. So that's what we're going to focus on, but we're going to step forward and move, move into a, a different realm here. If you guys are with me, I want you to turn to, um, well, let me see. We're going to be jumping all over the place. Are you guys good to jump with me? So thank you for coming. If you're new here, welcome. You're, make yourself at home. Um, I don't know what you expect, but I don't either. So that makes two of us. Even though we don't know what's going on, we're going to move forward in what God is doing. You're welcome to come back. If I offend you, it means that God's trying to get your attention. I don't know why we idolize offense so much. Like, you know, so-and-so offended me. Well, maybe you're weak. Maybe the Lord gave you a little more strength than that. You're just not accessing it. Maybe he made you stronger than what you believe you are. See, if you're offended easily, my Bible says, my Bible says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I don't know what Bible you read, but mine says, I won't be offended if I love his word. You know why? Because every opportunity of offense in my life is the opportunity for me to be a better person. It's my opportunity to be like Jesus. Because if I'm not like what they're calling me to be, then it just shouldn't move me at all because I know what he says about me. But if I am what they're saying, then God just sent me a voice to tell me what I, where I need to change. Either way, I win. So I can't be offended. You with me? Well, you're just arrogant. Well, maybe, but I'll lay on my face until he makes me humble. It's funny that we want to make sure everybody knows their problems, but we're not willing to walk with them through the solution. See, don't tell me what's wrong with me unless you're willing to help me fix it. Okay? Oh, we're, we're, we're good armchair people, aren't we? We're just going to toss the gospel around from our recliner. All right. I want to talk to you about, a couple weeks ago, I talked to you guys about um, prayer being the transfer of kingdoms. In other words, that 
I guess let me say it this way. Those of you who um, want to go back and listen to messages, Eric did a great job putting some of these things on um, um, podcasts. So you can look us up on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, or whatever it is. You can, you can listen to, um, just look, search for Proclaiming Jesus, and you can listen to those. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we preached a sermon. You probably need to go back and hear if you're interested. Uh, they're all free. But... Um, we have to, there's so much religion that God, had, that, that God did not create that we involve ourselves in. And you know what my, my responsibility is? Is to try to get you to separate in your mind from that religion without losing you first. Because some of us are so joined with our ideas of theology that we almost idolize them above the presence of Jesus. Do you realize Theology is merely just the study of God. It's good to have proper theology, but do you realize that three-pound piece of meat or matter between your ears is not ever going to be able to understand him fully? And so proper theology only goes as far as the ability of the mind to repent. The word repent in the Bible doesn't mean come to the altar and cry over your sins. It means change how you think about God and life. And if we don't change how we think about God because of our theology, then our theology is in the way of getting to God. I can show you in scripture where people who followed Jesus in the flesh, they had to change their theology. <laughs> in fact, he showed up to an entire nation who actually got it wrong, theologically speaking, yet they thought they were so right, but they missed him, didn't they? I wonder if it's the same way for us because we're so immersed in what we think we believe, but yet we have no power in our faith. It's amazing we know how to fix everybody else's problems, but our home is a wreck. I think that's interesting to me. I think Jesus made us to be a little bit more than just people with opinions. I think he robed you and dressed you with power. And the devil's scared of you, but you just don't believe in the power he's given you. Because you're walking around subjugated by religion. See, people don't care what you believe. Social media proves that. You just keep on scrolling. They care who you are. Amen? Amen? All right. So I want to talk to you about faith this morning, but I want to talk to you about it maybe from, a, from an angle that maybe hopefully you've never heard before. But it's the transfer of reality. How many of you guys claim and profess to be born again? Okay. If not, then we'll give you an opportunity for that because I want you to understand that being born again, following Jesus is not a religion. It's even more than just a relationship. It's a covenant. It's a promise that God cannot break. And it was, it, was, it was clothed in blood. Blood covenant can't be broken in the mind of the Lord. So I want you to understand that we were made for and born. How many of you guys understand that, that we crave influence and affluence? You understand that? We crave something greater than ourselves. This is why we look for people to satisfy us or issues or, or, or calls or, or uh, hobbies or whatever it might be. But we're, we're begging for something more powerful than us to influence us so that we can be a better, in a better reality. I, I know atheists that believe in aliens because we're looking for something more than ourselves. You, you with me with that? There's something innate that God put inside of us to be able to want and, and crave something more than just what we, we currently have. That's why we're always trying to be better, but yet we're never able to be good enough. No matter how many times we try, no matter how many times we, we push and scratch and claw to be something in life, we lay our heads down on our pillows at night wondering what it's all about. 
Even as Christians, people walk around going, is this it? Is this all there is? If this, all, if this is all there is to God, I'm not sure I, I want it. I was there at one point in my life where I threw my Bible across my room at the, at the wall and I just threw it. And I, I said, God, I'm done. Because I was serving the idea of God and I wasn't serving God himself. Do you realize in John 4, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, he looks, him, looks at her square in the eyeballs. He says, you worship what you do not know. And there's people in churches all over America that come and lift their hands and sing songs to somebody they have no clue who exists. Theologically, they agree that God, there's a God. And they, theologically, they may agree his name is Jesus, but even the demons do that. And their worship is something they have no clue who he is, what his nature is, what he's like, or what his plan is for their life. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. You with me? So it's our desire for every person to have something greater press upon them. We were made for a kingdom other than this world. You were made for something greater than what you currently possess, which is why you're constantly pushing for something more, whether it's more money or more this or more time or whatever it might be. You think that something more is going to finally satisfy you. And yet every time the old people understand that the more you get, the less you're satisfied. because you were made for something. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, if you're not born again, this message isn't going to work for you unless you start believing. Because the only way to access Jesus is not by good works. God's not interested in cleaning you up. He's interested in giving you a complete new identity. He's not interested in making you a better person. He's got something for you he made that's completely powerful and real. He has something he's done. He created on the cross. The Bible says that you have been made a new creation in Christ if you believe by faith. Which means all things are passed away. All things will become new. Why? Because the word in Greek means prototype. Jesus was something that had never been made before from the beginning of time. Nothing was created new from the time God made everything in this earth. You say, well, I don't believe in God. That's okay. He believes in you. When God made everything, there was nothing new made until Jesus came on this earth. And then when Jesus finished the work and resurrected himself from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, he birthed a new species of humanity, one that we're supposed to take up by faith alone. It's not by works. It's not by what we do right or wrong. It's not whether our theology is correct. It's whether we believe. The gospel is so simple. And we've complicated it. We have enough faith in this country to get saved. But after that, we put works on people to prove that they're saved. And if you come to a point in your life where you feel like you're not good enough, then you begin to question everything, which means the thing that you were birthed by in the spirit realm is now no longer the thing you're living by. And it says here that we're supposed to what? Walk by faith, not by sight. But do you know how many Christian Americans that live their entire Christianity by the sensory realm? And if it's not feeling like God, they don't believe it is. Most of people's prayer life is simply nothing more than God fix my problem when he's already fixed every problem. You just don't believe it and haven't stood on it long enough to see the fruit of it. Do you know, you guys know the story where Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray and he gets transfigured 
He takes Peter, James, and John up there. And he leaves the rest of the disciples down at the bottom. And they're fighting this massive demon and this kid. And they can't get it cast out. Remember that story? And then Jesus comes down from the mountain and he's looking at him. And they're like, man, we can't cast this thing out. And Jesus casts it out. And they're looking at Jesus going, why couldn't we do it? And he says, because of your unbelief. And if you know what that word actually means in, it means if you, if you trace the root words back in, in the Greek there, what it's talking about, what Jesus is actually saying is your faith didn't stay in the fight long enough. You quit too early because you didn't see the results. And that's, that's standard Christianity. We pray once or twice and then it's not happening. And you know what? Then we're going to get a divorce because it's just not working. So we're going to use the methods of the world to fix the problems that we created and all the while blame God for it. We were made to live by faith. But you understand that most Christians don't understand what faith is. They confuse hope and faith. And I've said this a few weeks ago. People think faith is hope and hope is faith and they're the exact opposite from one another. Living by faith is not hoping something will happen. Living by faith is believing that you tangibly possess the thing that you're hoping for. You're so convinced of it that you, nothing, not even the devil or even Jesus himself showing up could convince you because you know it came from him. How many of you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved? No one can take that from you. And why do you know that? By faith. And that faith has led you to a greater experience. And that greater experience has led you to a greater faith. And so on and so forth. Right? You know it. You're saved through and through because something's changed inside of you. It's tangible now. You're different. There's nothing of the old man left. And the same way when you're believing for something in your life or something to happen in your life, you have to be so convinced that it's yours that you will not let go and you'll not exit the fight before you get what you're promised. Jesus believed that he possessed all of earth, even when it was owned by the devil. And that's why he came. So we're supposed to walk by what? Faith, not by sight. By what we feel, see. You know how many times I have meetings with people and they're just like, yeah, but I don't see it. Show me where you're supposed to. My Bible says that if you're going to be able to see it, you see it far off by faith. You say, well, that's just denial of reality. Whose reality? Yours or God's? See, what we're craving for is something that brings life. But if faith is not present, there is no reality that can be transferred into to, to yours. What I'm basically, here's, let me give you the punchline, and then I'm going to try to expound it here. Just as prayer brings the kingdom from there to here, faith brings the realities of the kingdom from there to here. What exists in heaven is real. It can't get here, though, without human portal. Even the Satanists know that. Religious Christians are oblivious. Human beings are the porthole to both realms. Which one? You choose. You guys ever come home and your wife's just absolutely mad and there's just no way around getting around that? Or vice versa, the husband's just really ticked off? They become a portal for anger. 
and it affects the entire home, does it not? Because they're releasing an energy and a transfer from a different realm. You with me? Because anger and violence and greed and selfishness were not put in us at the beginning. They were put upon us after we walked away. We weren't born with the capacity for those things. We were born with the capacity to release God into the earth. That's what the command in Genesis was, was to release God into the earth and multiply the Lord into the earth. Why? Because we possessed his genetic ability to multiply. To reproduce what he, pre- he produced, which was love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Either way, we're a porthole for something. Every day of your life, you will release something into the earth. Every day. Because we were made to be possessed. You will not make it through this life without being somebody's fool. Either Christ's or the devil's. Or some guy on Wall Street, or some person on TikTok that tells you you have to look a certain way. You will be somebody's fool by the time that your life is over with. That's the way the world works. And well, who we call our friends are normally the people that we just kind of agree with and porthole with for that reality. Are you with me? So we're we're supposed to live by the power of God, not the emotional response to the situation. You know how many people don't believe God loves them just because they believe in how they feel? In other words, they don't love themselves, so how could God love me? You know how many Christians I, 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 I look at and I say, hey, I, want you, I got an assignment for you. I want you to go home and I want you to stare in the mirror for at least two minutes. I want you to look straight in your eyes and not look away one time. You know how many people cannot do that? Because they don't love what they see. And if you hate what God loves, tell me how you're right with him. If you can't love your spouse, how are you going to love Jesus? The Bible says if you can't love the person sitting next to you, how are you going to love God who you can't see? See, the gospel's simple. It's relational. It's about us bringing something down and giving it out. And most of the time, we're, we're walking in unbelief and doubt. And we're trying to be good enough for a God who already said that I, my son was good enough. My son was good enough. So much of our lifetime is trying to improve upon the cross of Christ. So much of our relationship with Jesus is trying to be better for him. He doesn't want you to be better. Because he already made you like him, if you will believe it. But what do I have to do? Just believe. That's it. That's it. But I don't feel exactly we walk by faith and not by sight. But what if I don't see it? You will if you don't quit. See, somebody, somebody, we want everything right now. Look, I've been following Jesus for over 25 years. I've been pastoring for over 20. I, there's things I prayed for and believed God for in the beginning of my life that I'm just now seeing. And we don't want to wait a week. But what I found is that he is faithful and he is beautiful. And if I stay at his feet, these promises will come to pass. But we exit the fight because we're living by how we feel and what the devil's telling us and the thing we hear in our head and we believe in the lies in our family when people are telling us things about ourselves instead of getting back to what he promised about us and saying, no, this is my reality and nothing's going to change that. It's simple. Walking with Jesus is simple. He loves you. 
but, but I don't even believe in him. It's okay. He loves you. Oh. See, when I live by the power of my emotional response, all I'm doing is hindering God from invading my reality. Because God can't come into my life unless I allow him to. Jesus will not force his way into your home. He's a gentleman. And he respects your authority that he gave you. He died to set you free. And then as a free person, he gave you authority to do whatever you want. And even he as God submits to your authority because he's that kind of king. One day he won't submit to it. But right now he does. He honors your choice to reject him, to hate him, but it doesn't change his nature of loving you. He can't do anything but love you. It's who he is. It's not something he possesses or believes. God is love. There's nothing he can be but that to you. And the greatest torment people will have if they miss heaven is that they looked into the eyes of love for just a few minutes and saw everything they wanted in their life. In a moment, they were completely filled and satisfied seeing in the eyes of Jesus and now knowing they have to be separated from it for forever. The greatest torment of hell will be the encounter of the love of God people had in that one moment. It won't be the fire that completely uh, makes it horrible. It will be the understanding that for just a second, I was fulfilled. I was amazed and I was whole for a minute and now I can never be. To know that kind of love and to watch every moment of your life as God replays the real of your existence and you see over and over how he pursued you and, and every day of your life where he saved your life every day and you didn't see it. And he says, this is my love for you. This is my love for you. This is my love for you. The power of the love of God has to be received by faith. But faith has to have a tangible substance. Do you know that? Because the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, there's a big difference between hope and faith. One has substance, one is a pipe dream. Hope has no substance. Hope, the Bible says, is an anchor for your soul. In other words, what hope is, is hope keeps your mind grounded while you're waiting for the substance to manifest. People tell me, oh, pastor, I'm just believing and trusting the Lord. But then you hear the things out of their mouth. No, you're not, you're not walking in faith because you don't, you don't believe you actually possess the thing you're waiting on. You actually think God is still waiting on it to give something to you. And you know, if you worship a God who's, 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 you're waiting on him to give you something when he's already given you everything, there's a, that, those are prayers you can't answer. And then you blame him for not answering your prayers. My Bible says you've been given everything for life and godliness. You don't lack one thing. In fact, he says that he's given you the Holy Spirit as a down payment for your eternal inheritance in heaven. How awesome is the Holy Spirit? And that's just your down payment. That's just a small piece of, of the rest of the whole that he's got reserved for you. This is how much he values you. And yet we're trying to impress him with what? Theology? that you've got your I's dotted and your T's crossed and you, don't, you mind your P's and Q's. He doesn't care about that. He came to an entire generation of people that didn't know who he was and had everything messed up. Why? Because of his heart for us. You with me? 
See, emotion has no substance. If you live in by emotion, but by not by faith, there's no substance. The only substance emotion has is you. You become the substance of the emotion. You become the display of what hell's lie is in your head. The devil uses you to possess you and then gets you to blame God for it because of how you feel. <laughs> you understand that I'm healed and I'm whole and I'm delivered and I'm, I'm saved, I'm sanctified. I can be no more righteous than where I am right now just because of him, all because of what he has done, nothing because of what I've done. Anything that I do for him it's only a crown that I lay at his feet because of what he did for me. That's it. It's not to impress him. It's not to be right with him. It's not to be holy and righteous and moral. It's not to polish my Christian morality and be better and finally feel comfortable in my own skin. See, some people sing that last song out of hope and desperation. Others sing it because they are it. I'm a son of God. See, I actually believe that. I actually believe that I'm a son of God. You kill me, set me free. There's nothing you can do to me. Nothing. You can't stop me. You can't shut me up. People have tried. I've had 25 years of naysayers try to get me to quit the ministry. And when I came to Harrison, Arkansas in 1999, I was treated horribly by the pastoral people in this area. And you know what? Every one of them are gone. They all left. They all quit. I'm still here. So that's arrogance. No, it's confidence and standing in who he made me to be. And I'm not going to move off that line. Because my reality is determined there, not here. Everybody has to die. And if sickness happens to take me out, sickness didn't take me out. I'm with Jesus, and by faith, I was always healed, and I'm always going to be so, because nothing of the hell has a place inside of me. Nothing of hell has a place inside of me, because I've been redeemed by the blood, and that's it, and I believe it, and that makes it so. I work for him and with him because of what he's done for me, not to be right with him. And you're the same way. God's love for you is so powerful, yet we don't believe it. And we walk around trying to catch his attention. The Bible says that only faith can please him. Only faith can please him. You want to please your father? Then walk in faith. What does that mean? Just trust that he made you righteous already. Just trust that he's done everything for you already and your biggest problem has been not believing it because the devil's convinced you of a lie. Yes. Yes. And then he uses that lie to bring torment to your family and to your heart and to your history because Jesus has never left you and he's always been there and he never, ever forsook you. And while man was screwing up the gospel in your life and while preachers were taking advantage of you and husbands and wives were taking advantage of you and fathers were taking advantage of you, Jesus was there the whole time saying, honey, I'm here. I've got this. If you'll just trust me, I'll walk you through it. Because he's not gonna stop people from doing bad things because he honors the authority he gave everyone. Why would God let this happen? God has to let it happen. Otherwise, he's a dictator. My job is to undo a little bit of what they did and to free your mind from this broken religion that's got you in a spirit of performance your entire life trying to be good enough for something you will never be good enough for. That's why he came and became as me so that I could become as he is. Yeah. 
The emotions have no substance except you. Both powers are trying to possess you. One from truth and the other from a lie. And whichever one you believe has the right and the authority in your life. Do you realize, I said this, and this is going to sound sacrilegious, so just let me explain. I said this a couple weeks ago. But do you realize this? this those of y'all have been in church a long time and religious, you're going to have a hard time with this statement. But let me, let, me, let me get through it before you crucify me. God's in control, but he's not in charge. You're in charge until he comes back. So many parables, Jesus says, a man gave this to his fellow servants, said, go, do, occupy, work until I come back. True or not? If God was in charge, then God is not worth following because he lets bad things happen. The problem is he's not in charge, which is why bad things happen. Because if God was in charge, there would be no sickness. There would be no disease. There would be no death. There would be no sadness. There would be no sorrow. There would be no anything other than joy and peace and happiness and righteousness. If God was, and that's what heaven's going to be because that's where God's in charge. But what our job is, is to take a piece of that because that's where we come from and bring it here because we're in charge. And faith releases that into the life of people. Just as we pray for his kingdom to come and the transfer of my kingdom for his because he's the king of kings and he calls me a king and priest, I acquiesce to his power and I let the king come and have his way in my life. And when I believe, things are changed in me and in you. Where do we get off thinking that we have to come to church every week and just perform for God? I can't stand sometimes going to other churches, not because I don't love the church, but because I walk away feeling like now I have to do something else. There's just something else I have to do in order to be right. And that's a lie. You guys ever been there? I grew up in church. I hate church, but I love the church. It's a big difference. I'm not interested in spiritual country clubs. Because I've watched the devil rape people's minds and hearts. And I'm, I'm frankly upset about it. You know, the Bible calls the, the faith a shield. Able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. What does faith do? It stops the emotional lie from penetrating your heart. See, the job of hell is to inflame the emotion of your life. To get you so wound up in emotions and feelings and thoughts and considerations and zzz, why'd they say that? They shouldn't have said that. They have no right to say that. That hurt me. That was my, they, they didn't have a right. You don't understand. They hurt. They, all these things are just lies and arrows that come right at you. And if you don't stop those things, they will go right into your spirit and they become, they become who you are. Yes. And then no longer, you're no longer a victim. You become a perpetrator of what was done to you. You're responsible now for the crime that was committed against you because you're allowing it to stay in your life when Jesus has set you free. Do you know why Jesus says to forgive people? It's not for them. It's for you. Because as long as you don't forgive them, their sin continues to run your life. And yet we don't want to be in bondage to that anymore, but yet we stay in it. 
And we live in it. You know how many people I know that lived 20 years ago and something that somebody did to them that was wrong? Yeah, it was wrong. But you know what's even more wrong? It's for you to continue to let it happen. But you don't understand, they hurt me. Yeah, and if you let them go, guess what? God gets to deal with them, no longer you. But as long as you get to deal with them, God's not going to do anything about it because he's going to let you take the reins. And let me tell you something, you're never going to be able to change that person, which means you're constantly in bondage. But if you get out of the way and you forgive, then God's got a clear shot at him, and I promise you, he knows what he's doing. We hold our bitterness and our pain and our anger like trophies. Like, this is what I went through when Jesus is holding his cross and going, well, yeah, this is what I went through. If you make your entire Christianity about what's done wrong with you, you're never going to see what the right he's given you. See, the enemy tries to make you his substance, the substance of his lie. Both powers are trying to possess you. He wants you to be the substance of his lie, and if you believe that, you become the substance. You empower the liar when you believe the lie. You empower the liar when you believe the lie. Why? Because you have power. See, the devil doesn't want you to understand that. Even as an unbeliever, you have power. You've been set free, even as an unbeliever. Even as an atheist, you've been set free. God sets you free. You're free. The problem is, is the devil knows you've got the authority now because Jesus took all power and authority away from the devil and he gave it back to man. What you do with your power and authority, that's why judgment day's there. Yeah. So you know what I want to do? I want to believe. Because I can't even operate in power unless I believe. And if I begin to operate in power and authority, then that, that freaks the devil out. And if I don't buy his lie, then I take his power. You know why he needs your, you to believe the lie? Because he needs your power. You didn't have any. He needs your power. He's a soul-sucking gnat. And he needs your authority. He needs your energy. He needs your aura. He needs your power. He needs your lie. He needs the mindset constantly going over all the things that someone else did wrong to you. Because if those fiery darts can penetrate you, then he steals your authority in your life. You know, you know what's real? What God says. Not how I feel. You know what? You know what cures feelings? You know, you know what's going to cure all feelings someday? Your casket. And nobody's going to care what you felt after that moment. You know what's going to still exist after you die? God's ideas. God's reality. God's truth. So that's what's real. How you feel is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It only means something because you're allowing it to. Deny the authority and deny the access, and all of a sudden, you, you start feeling like, wait a minute, this actually works. How many of you guys got saved, right? How did you get saved? By faith. Wait, 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 wait. So faith transformed you from God's reality of you away from your reality of you. Right? God took the old you away and gave you his version of you by what? Faith. So faith has the power to transform reality. How come you don't use it? How come you get saved by it, but then you don't walk by it through the day? Because you're more in love with the lie than you are the truth. 
but I love Jesus. Yeah, you love the lie too. Otherwise you wouldn't believe it. What do I do? Stop believing the lie. That's it? Yeah, that's it. What do I believe? That he loves you. That he's for you. That he's not against you. If he's against you, he'd have killed you by now. If you think God is actually in his control as much as your religious nature thinks he is, why hasn't he killed you then? Because you're not perfect. In fact, we've, we've, we've sown more destruction in this life than we have life. We've messed more things up than what we fixed. So how come he hasn't killed you? Because he loves you. And he will leave you alive as long as he possibly can so that you can have that one moment to cry out to him and say, Lord, I believe. You understand? Oh, y'all are making me preach too long. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, You are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. What makes you a son of God? Not your good works? Not your proper theology? Not whether you can argue with me on the theological issue and the hermeneutical side of my sermon? What makes you a son of God? Faith? What transformed you from dark to light? What brought you from, from, uh, from, from an old way of living to a new way of living? But, 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 but Chad, I've, I've tried to believe before and it didn't work. That's because you quit too early. God's not an American. I don't know who told you he is, but he's not an American and, he, and Jesus isn't a Christian. He's king, he's God, he's Lord, and that's it. He's the ruler, he's right, he's in charge, and his love for us by shedding his own son on the cross for people like us is proof that he desires us. God does not work according to the fast food line and how fast Chick-fil-A can get you through. God is not Chick-fil-A. He wants you to sit there and trust him. You know why? Because the more you believe him, the more you, he knows you love him. And the longer it takes to get something to see in your life, the more he knows you're there for him. And every promise that's delayed will be compounded with interest because God will always pay when it's time. Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near to God with a true heart, full of assurance of faith. Let us draw near to God, fully assured of faith. Let us draw near to God. How come you feel so far from him when you're a Christian? <laughs> because you're not living by faith. You know what most people do? They pray as if God's way, 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 way out there. And they're, they're praying and they're fasting and they're reading their Bible, basically like jumping up and down, going, pick me, pick me. And God's like, hey, I already did. <laughs> Can't answer that prayer. Already answered. Look at me, look at me. I'm in you. I'm looking out of your eyeballs. I'm in you. But you don't believe that. But because you don't believe that, it doesn't make it true for your life. And that's why you feel disconnected from God. So then you pray as if you're disconnected from God. And then you're disconnected from God because it's your authority working against yourself. The devil doesn't even need to attack. Oh, the devil's just on me. I'll say he's just really attacking my life. No, you're doing that. Stop. Yes. 
Let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering because he is faithful that promised. What does it say? It says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. I don't like that translation. Without wavering for he is faithful who's promised. You have to hold it without wavering, which means when all those darts start coming, it doesn't mean you believe them and drop your shield and go, well, I guess it didn't work. No, you hold it and you hold the line and say, I don't care what you're telling me, devil. I am made up, born again. I'm a new species of humanity. You can't touch me. You have no place in me. I'm covered with the blood. Colossians says my life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm healed and I'm delivered. And even if I die, I will die singing his praises and you will not fill my mouth with complaining. You say, well, you're just trying to hype people up. Maybe that's what you need because it's real and it's true. And the part of the Godhead that wants you to have access to him is only accessible by faith. People who want to work their religion out, let them have it. They'll die tired. You can't be good enough for God. I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I was really frustrated at one point in my life when I was young trying to find Jesus and be a good Christian and trying to do everything everybody was telling me to do, and I just felt more lost than anything else. I remember God, in my prayer closet, I was just crying to God, and I said, I don't understand. I can't be good enough. And he said, Chad, you'll never be a good enough Christian for the devil. And I realized right then I was serving the wrong person, calling it Jesus. And I had all this oppression on me. And then I read Matthew 11 where he said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. (laughs) I'll give you rest. See, it's the responsibility of us as the believer to hold our profession of faith in the midst of trial. Why? Because he's faithful who promised. Every lie is combated with the truth. Faith comes by Hearing, and hearing by the, do you know why faith comes by hearing? Because when you hear, you receive a promise. And the word of God is full of the promises of God. It doesn't say faith comes by the word of God, it comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. The promises of God are what? Are yes and amen. Right? Which means every lie that comes against your head has to be combated with the truth. That's why you have a shield in one hand to stop the lie and a sword in the other to tell a liar who's, who's right. And that's you. But most people want to work with their sword and drop their shield. Well, I'm just confessing the word. Well, that's great, but you need to hold your shield up too. You with me? Hebrews 11, 11. Through faith... Sarah received strength to conceive seed. This woman's like a hundred and something years old. She can't get pregnant. And through faith, she received strength to have a baby. How'd she have a baby? Through faith. Through works? Through being good enough. Holy enough, righteous enough, praying enough, fasting enough, believing enough, catching God's attention enough. Being a good Christian. Through faith, she received strength. You know why you don't have strength most of the time in your life? Because you don't, you're not living in faith. 
It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It just means you're not, you're not accessing what he's given you. You have it. Everybody's got the measure of faith, the Bible says. Everybody. Well, I just need more faith, brother. No, you need to use what you have. And stop believing the lie. He received child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there one sprang from her, even as one as good as dead, so many as the star, stars in the sky in multitude when the sand of the seashore innumerable. All these having died in faith, not receiving the promise. Isn't that crazy? But having seen the promises far off, they were persuaded by the promise. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers, strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Faith has its roots and its establishments in where we're going to be and what our true identity is in the kingdom of heaven. You know why she was able to see them far off? Because she saw herself outside of this reality. If you judge your reality by your own mindset, you're never going to see beyond that mindset. But if you enter a different mindset and you live in heaven as if God says you are, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, the Bible says. If you live from that reality, you can see afar off. And you know what you see? Your promise. And you're persuaded and convinced. But you don't have a baby. Yes, I do. He's just not here yet. Well, you're just denying reality. Yes, your reality. I'm denying that reality. But I will not deny his reality. Well, you need to be a realist. I am. His. People will look at you and think you're crazy. That's okay. They're miserable. And they don't like to see you happy. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Nine out of ten Christians are depressed. I don't understand why. I don't want to understand why. But I know why. You with me? Yes. Romans 4.16, Therefore it's a faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise may be sure to all the seed. That's all of us. It's talking about Abraham. We're children of Abraham by faith. It says the promise is for us to all generations by faith, Right? Not only to that which is of the law, but also to that which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, it's written, I have made you a father of many nations before he even believed. Even God raises the dead and calls those things which are not, not as though they are. What does faith do? It finds what doesn't exist and it makes it exist because it can see it. Hebrews 11 says that the worlds were framed. By faith, we know that the worlds were framed by God. This whole thing was made by God. And faith gives us access to that reality. You with me? Yes. Verse 18. Who against hope, Abraham against hope, all the hope was against him. All the hope of having a son was against him. All the hope of having peace was against him. This is never going to change for you. It's always going to be the same. Your marriage is always going to suck. It's never going to get right. It's never going to be good. You're never going to feel all the hope against you. Against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Who? Us. According to that which is written, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. You see that? Faith doesn't consider the reality of death that's facing it. It just doesn't. Emotions consider the reality it's facing. Oh, well, brother, I just, you know, we got this evil report. What does God say? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, Christians are funny. We're like so weird. 
I ask you guys, how many of you guys believe God can heal? And then, uh, you know, how many of you believe he'll actually heal you? See, that's what we do. I mean, you're raising your hand now with this scrape, but that's probably because of the sermon. But in real life, it comes down to it. It's like, you know, I, I don't know, man. You know, I ask people all the time, how many of you believe God can heal? Yeah, yeah. Well, you believe he'll heal you? Instant pause, instant silence. They're just like, I don't know. Maybe if I was good enough. When, when will you ever be? When will you ever be good enough? When's good enough? When you're finally like Jesus? That ain't going to happen until you get there. I'm hurrying. Hebrews 10, 38. The just will live by faith. But if any man draws back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. This is God talking. Those who are justified live by faith. If they draw back, God's not pleased. Why? Because we know the only thing that pleases him is what? Faith. faith. In what? In what he did. God's pretty convinced in what he did. He doesn't need you adding to it. He just needs you to believe it and do it. Does it make sense? 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? <laughs> because if we come to God, first of all, we have to believe that he is. In other words, we have to believe that he exists. And it doesn't mean just the fact that, oh, I believe there's a God. It means we have to know his nature, his reality, his plan, his possession, and who he is. When we know who he is, we're able to trust him. Yes. We must believe, first of all, we have to know who he is, and then we will understand that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, the more you seek God, the more you fall in love with him. The more you fall in love with him, the more you trust him and believe him. The more you believe him, the more you realize he's a rewarder. The more you realize he's a rewarder, you just wait for your promise. And you know what I've done? I've taken it a step farther. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm waiting for this, for my life, because I believe it's true, then I'm going to help create it in somebody else's while I'm waiting for mine. Why? Because the Bible says, what I sow is what I'll reap. So instead of being selfish, you go, God hasn't done it yet. Well, then Lord, let me be the answer to somebody else's prayer. That way somebody else will be the answer to mine. Well, that's selfish. No, that's him getting glory in everybody, and that's awesome. Let me, let me, let me, let me go to this story here, and I'll try to close, because I've got a lot more that I could tell you, but... But I'm running out of time. Matthew 15. I'm going to start in verse 21. And Jesus went from there and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan. All right, let me set the stage for you. This is a Gentile woman. Are there any Jews, like full-blooded Jews in here? Okay, that, this, this lady's us. Okay? Fully Gentile. Fully outcast. Not a part of the inheritance of Israel. Right? You understand? The gospel wasn't given to us first. It was given to the Jews. You with me? Okay. Not only that, she's a woman, which in that culture was an absolute lowest of the low. Like it, hate it, love it, doesn't matter. That's what their reality was. They were, the women were nothing back then. Nothing. Their, 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 their word was no good in court. They were nothing. That's why Jesus showed up to a woman first. Because he was redeeming all of Eve. She's the first one that screwed up. She was the first one he redeemed. Because he loves women. He loves men. He loves everybody. You with me? So it says, he comes to this place, and this woman of Canaan came out from the same coast and cried unto him and saying, Master, have mercy on me. Son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. 
and he did not answer her a word. Sounds like some of y'all's relationships with Jesus, huh? <laughs> well, God just ain't talking to me. Maybe it's because you're identifying with your Gentile nature instead of the one he made. See, if you, if you agree with, the, with what, if you agree that you are what Jesus put to death, then he doesn't have the right to answer you because you're not acting as a son, you're acting as an orphan. Well, he's not answering me. It's because you're acting like an orphan. If I'm walking through the mall and this little kid that I have no clue who is comes running up to me or a store or Walmart, he's like pulling on my pant leg, Daddy, Daddy, I want $12 to buy that little toy over there. And he just keeps, and I'm like, whose kid is this? And he just keeps, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I'm like, I don't, I don't know who you are. You don't live in my house. I, go, go, I, I'm not responsible for you. But if one of my own sons come up to me like, Daddy, can I have that? Well, then it'll be a yes or a no. But he'll get an answer. She's a Gentile, right? Which represents the old nature. Every time we walk in the old nature, why are we expecting God to answer the prayer for a man he crucified? Hmm? Well, that means i got to be good enough for him. No, it means you believe what he's already put inside of you and you let it come to pass. But if you identify, if you're giving your power and your authority, well, I'm just this and I'm just that and I'm no good and I'm, not, you know, I'm just not there yet. And all well, then guess what? Be it, be it unto you according to your faith. That's what the Bible says. Jesus, this guy came for Jesus for healing. He's like, do you believe I can do this? He's like, yeah. He goes, okay, be it unto you according to your faith. In other words, if he, if he really didn't believe, he wouldn't have got healed. And so many times Jesus was looking at some of you guys and going, be it unto you according to your faith. And you're like, why isn't it working? Because you quit and you believe the lie. Try Do it for 10 years and then come talk to me. Well, I've been saved long. But have you been believing the whole time? Just because you didn't experience 35 years ago doesn't mean anything. You can still be a baby in Christ and spend 45 years in church and be absolutely an imbecile. A woman of Canaan came out. She's like, God, please help me. And he didn't answer her nothing. And his disciples came and said, look, get her away. She's bothering us. And he answered and said, I am not sent to the lost. I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right? And then she came. Okay, so she, he finally, she finally gets an answer, and he's like, I'm not sent for you. I, I don't minister to you. you. You are not in my wheelhouse. Then God would never say that. He did. Jesus was actually a pretty offensive dude. She go read some of the things he said. I read them sometimes and go, oof, that's painful. If that had been me, I don't know how I felt about that. And, he did, and so, he, so he says, I'm, I'm only sent to Israel. And she came and worshipped him. See, she didn't let it stop him. She came and worshipped him and saying, Lord, help me. And he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. <laughs> Jesus, gentle, meek, and mild. That's not who he is. He called her a dog. And y'all are offended because someone tells you the truth. He called her a dog. 
you know what she did? It's always right to agree with God. She said, yeah, you're right, but I'm your dog. And Jesus was like, woman. See, he didn't call her dog then, did he? He addresses her in her identity. What made the transfer? Her faith. So even if God comes and rebukes you and gives you all this stuff that's wrong in your life, you can stop like, yeah, you're right. You know, but I'm, you're a problem. Yeah, well, I'm your problem. I'm your problem. You chose me. I didn't choose you. That's what the Bible says. You're, I'm your problem, so deal with me. And he says, woman, great is your faith. And guess what? Not only did that faith transform her identity, but it saved and healed her family. And instantly the demon, which was a control over her home, got released. What does the power of faith do? It transforms his reality into ours. Just like prayer. Does it make sense? I want you to stand your feet. Some of you need to get saved. That doesn't mean have some sort of, well, I prayed a prayer. That doesn't mean, like, listen, if you have no current, vibrant relationship with Jesus, it means you're away from God. And the most dangerous thing about that is, is you're away from the thing that is going to make you feel the most whole. Everything you've sought your entire life with relationships and money and jobs and careers has all been trying to fill that one spot where God's there and he says, look, I, I love you. I've created you and I made you perfectly and wonderfully. Man screwed it up, but I sent the man to make it right. And if you'll believe him and you'll trust him, he will change your life and he'll give you a whole new one. And you won't spend your, the rest of your life trying to fix the problems you created. He will give you a whole new identity. Do you realize that when you come into Jesus Christ, every sin you've committed and every sin that was committed against you, it's as if it never happened. You're not running from anything anymore because now you're running to something. So if you're courageous enough, if you're, if you're brave enough, and if you need the Lord in your life, and you need something to change, I don't care if you're like, blah, blah, blah. if you need something to change in your life, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right where you're at. I know there's somebody in here. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You? Okay. Come on forward. You guys have raised your hand. Come on forward. We're going to love you. It's okay. Guys, come on. Let's pray for these ladies. Come on. Listen, God is for you. God is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. He loves you so much. And he wants you to believe it and trust him and to know him. I want you guys to pray. Those of you who made covenant with the body here, I want you to go to each one person and ask them what they want and then pray them through. Don't just lay hands on them generically. I want you to talk to them and I want you to ask them what they want God to do in their life. And I want you to pray that into them. But guys, as they pray for you, I want you to believe the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I want you to believe the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to believe that he is for you. He's not against you. He's not against you. You're not serving some dictator who's looking over your shoulder trying to make everything hard over your life. You're worshiping the God who created you, who loved you, who, who made you in your mother's womb. And the rest of you guys out there, I, I need you to come before the Lord in your heart and your mind and ask God to forgive you for your unbelief because you've had such a relationship with God through unbelief. And that is not a right relationship. You've had such a relationship with God through doubt. Like, is this going to happen? Lord, are you going to fix this? Lord, are you going to change that? Lord, I don't know. Lord, you need to stand up in who God made you to be and take the promises of the Lord to your heart. And you need to stand and say, no, my father said this, and this is my promise, and I will die before I move off of it. Because when you stand upon his promise, and even if you die in it, you glorify his holy name. So, Father, I pray that you forgive these here and that you bring the spirit of repentance to their life, that you touch them, God. And, Lord, that you just lay your hand of love upon them, Lord, that you would understand, they would understand, and they would know the love of the Father, and that you would heal all the hurt and the pain and the wounds and the rejection and the bitterness and the betrayal. And, God, that you would show them your love and your power in their life, that you would show yourself faithful. It's your spirit would begin to move in their heart and their life. God, that you would revive their hearts and you give them a passion and a reason for living again. The gospel's simple. Jesus wants to give you a new heart, a new life, a new restoration. Just say, Lord, I believe. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you were crucified and you were raised from the dead. And I've been given new life in the blood because I believe it. Not because I'm good enough, but because Jesus is good enough. That the sacrifice of the cross was enough for me. It was powerful enough to undo everything that was done to me and everything that I've done. Some of you need to remind the Lord of his promises. If God spoke something to you, you need to dig that thing back out of the closet and raise it back up and say, God, I'm reminding you of your word. I'm reminding you of your promise. I'm reminding you of my promise for my marriage, for my heart, for my family, for my finances, God, for my children. I'm reminding you of your faithfulness. To repent means to change how you think, which means you come away from believing the lie to believing the truth. You believe God is good enough. He's faithful enough. He's powerful enough to hold you. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your sacrifice of your son. I love you, Holy Spirit, and I thank you for never quitting on me. Thank you, Father, for never giving up on me. I love you, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord. For those of you who prayed for these people here that, that you led them to the Lord, this, they're your disciples, so don't lose them. You need to get into their life. You need to get into their, their heart. You need to teach them what the Bible says about them. You teach them what Jesus says about them, otherwise the devil's going to come and try to steal it all away. 
So those of you guys who are prayed for, please let these people help you, establish you, teach you the truth so you don't have to go through all the junk that we had to go through. The reality of God in your life, the reality of Christ and what he's done on the cross, the finality of that sacrifice for those who believe. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. We will worship you. We glorify you. We thank you. Father, I ask you to bless your children. Bless the believers here. Bless those who are, who are watching. Father, bless them uh, immensely with, with, with power and, and wisdom and, and grace to fulfill your commands. Lord, I pray a blessing over your, your sons and your daughters in this room that the spirit of unbelief would be washed away and that the Holy Spirit of God would take the place and they would rise up in their sphere of influence as the mighty men and women of the gospel and they would send hell running a thousand thousand different ways and that father they would stand in the righteousness of jesus holding the shield of faith father we thank you that the, the ephesians 6 says you call it the armor of god yet you tell us to wear it which means we get to wear what you wear we are clothed in what you're clothed with we are holding what you hold we have at our fingertips and our disposal the same things that you use when you go to war which means we can't lose we thank you father we love you we bless you in jesus name Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you, guys.